about time for true crime. Hey. Hey. How is it going? Are you guys like good? How's your Tuesday? Happy freaking Tuesday. Um, today I'm pumped because A, it's no longer Monday. B, <laughs> we have part two of this super exciting, awful, horrific. awful, heinous clusterfuck yeah. of a serial killer we got going on. Yes. And C or three, I don't remember what I did. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just in a good mood today. I'm happy to be here. It's been a long day, mm-hmm. but it's been a good afternoon. Yeah, I don't know. How are you doing? Um, well, I'm feeling a little bit better. Woo-hoo! So you're not going to have as raspy and sexy, sexy. of a voice this time? Smelly cat. Yeah. Smelly cat. Yeah. So Ooh, I think yeah. that this will be a little bit different, a little less than, so my apologies. But I am <laughs> feeling a lot better. So <laughs> I'm really good. happy about that. So I'm like relieved to feel like myself again i just i feel like i can't get out of my own way i've been sick more in the last six months than i've been sick sick in the last like three years yeah that's true it's bad and it's you know the whole pro and the con of the masking for so long is that yeah we didn't share germs but we also didn't share germs so nobody built up an immune system to anything i know and now i feel like my immune system is just like Oh, it's okay. Just leave me here. Yeah. No, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Your immune system is possessed and germs are throwing holy water fucking everywhere. No, so it's like, it's really bad. I'm just like, oh, okay. They're all like... Uno reverse. Can like sizzling. No, seriously. Yeah. So it's good to like feel a little bit more alive. I can talk and not have a coughing fit, which is really cool, but... It is cool. Um, We'll see. We'll see how I go. We'll see if my voice keeps up. Fingers are crossed that today I don't have to edit out more than three coughing fits. That is the goal. And that would be the record for 2023. But I'm going to do two and then I'm going to (laughs) like. I know. (laughs) To to not. I'll be like, no, I'm almost there. (laughs) (laughs) Asshole. So there's one. Uh, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's uh. What a time to be alive. That's so funny. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. And I'm sorry I jinxed your little throat there. You definitely did that on purpose. It was funny, but I didn't mean to. Mm. I really meant that I didn't want to have to edit out. (laughs) (laughs) My cough said, get fucked. I know. Okay, you guys. And then just really quick before we hop into this. We just wanted to remind you to stay tuned because next week is the week that we are doing the listener request episode, which is super exciting. So even though we're down to one a week now, you guys definitely have a say in next week. So keep it up. We are so pumped. I know. And even if yours isn't chosen, that's okay. Please keep sending us recommendations because we do them. We really do have them like in a queue. We really are working toward them. And if we haven't gotten to yours yet, that's just because we're still working on it. Yes. But we really do take it seriously and take the requests that you guys ask for like to heart. So we... Also, you guys really aren't going to do it. <laughs> you're sending us the requests. It limits the amount of times that Allie and I have to Google weird solved murders. Correct. Um, which is all over my Google search history, to be quite honest. Seriously. And they're almost never solved. It's always like I look up solved murders and it's like, check out this cold case. And I'm like, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's sad and has no closure. I wanted closure. I Damn want it. that man in jail. Damn. Yeah. 
Damn. So we do love the request, both from a sheer point of delivering and also laziness. So it's great. Correct. We just want to know that, like, what we're putting out there is one you do want to hear. Like, yeah. do you want one of the, like, main ones? Like, do you want a series on Bundy? We'll give it to you. But yep. that's everywhere. So what do you want? Yes. And I know Tell that us. a lot of you guys really like that you're hearing cases that aren't everywhere from us. So I love that we do that. And I'm happy to keep it going. But also just keep us keep us in the loop. What are your trends? What are you listening to? What are your favorites right now? And we'll try to do what we can you know ask and you shall receive also once again if you guys do send us a dm or an email we do reply to every single one so we do unless it's like scammy or like yeah um if you creepy send us like a dm with like an unsolicited pick we're probably not gonna get back to you um but if oh my you thought it's a beige flashlight <laughs> um, <laughs> instagram why are you blurring that oh <laughs> um you and <laughs> no seriously so i'm like you know what we're not gonna open the photos because mm-hmm. we've gotten unless you tell us specifically it's your pod pet that's it but also, i feel like i can tell like, yeah you know when oh, it's like can. a cute like cat and when it's a kitty you know uh, like, yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> but really like keep it keep it appropriate but we really do like want to hear from you and do yes. you want your pod pets damn it Yes, we love them. And also, if you send us something and we don't respond because it seemed fishy, send us another one. Be like, yo, straight up. I am not a robot. I want to talk to you. Follow up. I will select all the photos that have a car in it. Yeah, precisely. Even if it's right on the edge. Yes. And then I will spend five minutes stressing about it. Worrying about it. Correct. But I'll still do it. So with that being said, send us an email. Send us a DM. All of it's in the show notes. All of it gets repeated at the end. But we are so excited to do one for you guys next week. Absolutely. So anyway, now that we've gotten through that, as I said before, I'm really fucking excited about this. So tell me what happens. Okay. Well, I want to give you a overview, like okay. a quick catch up recap. That's good. It's been a week. About what last week's was. So you guys clicked on this. You know this. But we're talking about John Edward Robinson today or John, as I've just been calling him. Woo-hoo. Um, He's an asshole think we kind of established that he's a con man he's um, um, embezzles he's got fraudulent charges he's got a bunch of things he's social he's this family man he's got a bunch of kids he's involved in his kids lives he's a you know quote-unquote hard worker by hard worker we do mean it forging documents Correct. but he does it well he and his wife got married when they were 20. They had a bunch of kids and I don't even think she knew what he was doing, but he's like faking these degrees and mm. totally screwing around on her. I want to give her a hug and a hot cocoa. And, you know, just the literal, the literal, just the little um, like fraud and embezzlement cases just kind of like snowballed to bigger mm-hmm. and worse things. And that sort of came to a head when he met a 19-year-old named Paula Godfrey. Mm. She went missing after being promised a job by him. Um, and then also we talked about uh, Lisa Stassi and her daughter Tiffany, Ugh. who uh, Lisa went missing after again being promised a job and so did her infant baby. And at the same time, uh, just happened to be adopted by uh, John's brother. 
that who, John helped facilitate, right? Absolutely. Well, he did all of it, which was horrific because the brother had no idea. Right. Thought it was legitimate, paid thousands of dollars in quote unquote lawyer fees to his brother, who his brother just pocketed. Dick. And yep. So. And if you want any more details on that and you haven't yet, go back and listen to part one. But that seriously. was a good refresh for this one. Okay. Um, so then after we met Lisa and the baby, then we met Catherine Clampett. She unfortunately also went missing after, Ugh. again, moving out to basically be with him after this job and travel she was promised. And then he's incarcerated and he <sighs> meets Beverly Bonner. And that is where we left off. So we're going to okay. pick it up from there. Yeah, that's right. And didn't they like hold hands and skip out of the jail on his release day? Basically. Yeah. Okay. Basically. So uh, if you'll remember, uh, he spent some time incarcerated um, in a couple places. He was in Kansas prison from uh, 87 to 91. And then from 91 to 93, he was in a Missouri prison. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, not only did he meet the prison uh, physician, Dr. Bonner, but he also met the librarian, Beverly Bonner, Mm. where he started to have a relationship. And again, I also want to just point out that he got very well acquainted and well versed with computers and not it's not like everybody had those in their homes. You know, we Mm -hmm. carry them in our pockets every single day, our little mini computers. But that was not the way it was 30 plus years ago. Yeah. And. He not only learned software, but also basically, like, earned Beverly's love and adoration and support. So much so that she served her husband with divorce papers, doctor husband with divorce papers, and ran off into the sunset with him. Which, like, a, from someone working in the field, Priya, 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 Priya. Correct. Priya, Priya. Priya. No, it's a big no. Is the Prison Rape Elimination Act basically just saying the only two people who can fuck in prison are an inmate and an inmate. And when they it's shouldn't. consensual. And they and shouldn't. They shouldn't. Um, but but everything no staff else should have any relationship. Correct. Because it is such a gross misuse of that power. And even in this case, where this butt face was the one conning this whole thing. Mm-hmm. She still was in a position of authority. If there was ever a time that he thought it would get him in trouble to decline or turn anything down. Correct. Uh, okay. I anyway, know. So. No, seriously. Also, he sucks. Oh, he's evil. Because <laughs> how many women now have already disappeared after being connected with him? At Horrible. least three. Horrible. And an infant. So, and unfortunately, you know, it's not going to get better. Oh, fuck. He's out. She's out. They're together. All right. Okay. She has been conned into believing that he's this entrepreneur with amazing ideas for the future and they're going to make a lot of money and he's going to be successful and he just needs her to believe in him and all this bullshit. Mm -hmm. So in November of 1993, she files for divorce. And by February of 94, the divorce is finalized. (laughs) I couldn't really find anything about whether her husband like put up a fight or if their relationship was sort of like already sort of circling the drain and right. this was the last straw but whatever it was it seemed like her relationship with john just sort of like took off and uh and he is still married he oh he's still married okay yeah i don't think that beverly knew or if she did she was told that he was getting divorced because those of the women who knew he was married and like thought he was leaving for them like going to 
Got again it. right off into the sunset with him okay we're told well i'm divorced like i'm divorcing her she's nothing to me blah 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 meanwhile this is the woman who he's been with since he was 20 who's stuck by his side through every arrest every incarceration period yeah like raised the kids did all that shit had his kids correct so <sighs> as they all did um when a woman would go off with john uh, their family would just stop hearing from them. And that is what happened no. with Beverly. So uh, John Robinson used the alias Jim Turner sometimes, which again, just these like typical, just like nothing names. Yeah. John Robinson, John Osborne, Jim Turner. It's like you can meet a handful of them at the grocery store like this guy. Ugh. But anyway, he opens a P.O. box in Beverly's name. Mm. <laughs> Uh, and I guess the, the story was that he went to open this. He had signed documentation from her saying that she was going to be abroad. She was going to go work like out of the States or something and was authorizing him to pick up her mail. So he opened the PO box in her name, you know, very convincing, blah, blah, blah. And just said that, you know, he'd be collecting it for her while she was gone and would be like forwarding it to her, would get it to her at some point. So, uh, Dr. Bonner, you know, Beverly's Mm ex-husband, was sending her alimony checks. Of course he was. In the amount of $1,000 every month after their divorce. And even though no one in the family heard from Beverly again after the divorce and after she ran off with John, uh, every fucking alimony check was cashed, I'll tell you that. Sure was. So... That does not fucking surprise me in the slightest. So... Nobody heard from Beverly again. The alimony the alimony checks are cashed. However, the family was concerned because when one of her sons died unexpectedly in 95, she didn't attend the funeral. No one could get in contact with her. Well, now, it, not for nothing, but she might not have been a great wife. I don't know anything about her. She could have been an excellent wife. Whatever right. it was, she cut ties with the ex-husband immediately. But you'd be hard-pressed to find a mother that wouldn't go to her own child's services. Yeah. And it kind of blew everyone away that she wasn't there. And also, I mean, that they just hadn't heard from her. Yeah, I mean, especially with the news of delivering your child's death, which I can imagine is one of the hardest phone calls any parent has to live of through. Of course. To not only have that not responded to, Mm -hmm. but also no funeral is just a lot. And, you know, later on, we'll we'll talk about her remains being found. Um, But Beverly was murdered and she was only 49 years old. She is our oldest victim, but only 49 years old. So John didn't miss a beat because within a year of murdering Beverly and yes, of course, still cashing every one of her alimony checks, he met a widowed 45-year-old Sheila Faith and her 15-year-old daughter, Debbie. No. So this is where the computer piece kind of comes back into play because he was in online chat rooms, mostly in the, you know, BDSM uh. chat rooms. Oh, I forgot about that part of this oh, fucker. yes, because we call him, like, slave master. And no, I do yeah. not call him anything except shit face. Well, yeah, shit in a stick and yeah. Yeah douche canoe and asshat asshat for sure um and unfortunately 
one of the people that he met in these chat rooms was 45 year old Sheila Faith. Mm. Now, again, Sheila's husband had passed away a couple years before this. And Sheila's daughter, Debbie, had some kind of condition that required her to use a wheelchair. Some of the sources said that she had cerebral palsy and others just didn't specify, but said that she had some kind of like spinal condition, whatever it was. I know that she used um, a wheelchair 100% of the time. That was how she was um, mobile. So when Sheila was interacting with, you know, this sexy amazing man online Mm -hmm. uh she was talking about how you know they struggled to pay for things and the daughter's hospital bills were you know adding up and they didn't have you know the dad around her husband around anymore to help pay for things and they were struggling right so of course because john's just a giver (sighs) uh he promises her a job and says in exchange for working for me i'll take care of the hospital bills you don't have to worry about that you'll you'll be taken care of it won't be glamorous but you'll have stability okay and you know debbie was getting social security um like disability checks Mm -hmm. uh that were a little over a thousand dollars a month okay but it wasn't enough for them to live off of and it wasn't enough for them to live off of with all of you know how costly it was like her wheelchair wasn't inexpensive like things like that so john had you know said i'm this rich farmer because i don't know maybe she was into farmers because again he's cultivating a personality and a lifestyle for each woman so maybe this is what she was into or he thought this maybe this is what she came from what she was used to and it would feel like home and comfortable and yeah so he says i'm this rich farmer and then that's when he convinced sheila to relocate her and her daughter from california (laughs) to you guessed it kansas city (laughs) and she did so and while uh, her daughter's ssdi checks were still cashed for years i'm sure they fucking were sheila and debbie were never heard from again after their arrival in kansas city in 1994 gosh Oh, it's, yeah, it's horrible. So back in the swing of things in the BDSM chat rooms under the name Slave Master, John had become quite popular. Lots of women were interacting with him in these chat rooms and showed a lot of interest in him. Again, I can only imagine he was the most charismatic, like, biggest personality in the room, if you will. (laughs) Like, room chat room. (laughs) Literally. Uh, but really, he had people swooning over him. And I'll just really quick, all of my ewes, again, not ever to yuck anybody's yum, truly just because I think he's a disgusting, bile piece of shit. Oh, he's tru- um, truly just trying to capitalize on, like, yeah. everyone's interest and weak spots, soft spots, anything like that. And if you missed part one, we did go over the fact that this man does not give a single flying fuck about consent in any way, shape, or form. Mm-mm. Um and that doubles my ew. So if you hear me say ew, once again, not to yuck your yum, but to yuck this piece of shit. Absolutely. Yeah, he's we the fucking We can yuck worst. his yum. Oh, yeah. Seriously. He's nasty. Well, this is where we're going to talk about Isabella Luica. No. Now, Isabella was born in 1977, and at the age of 11, she moved with her parents from Poland to the United States. Holy cow, the world traveler. Mm-hmm. She graduated from high school in 1996, and that fall... She started classes at Purdue University with a focus in art. 
Purdue. Yes. So her friends described her as being a fan of alternative lifestyles, including mm-hmm. BDSM community stuff. But, um, you know, she dabbled in kind of a little bit of everything. She was a free spirit. She was very just sort of like here, there and everywhere. Yeah. She focused on school. She cared about school and about her art, but she wasn't doing things a lot of other people her age were doing. Like, yeah. She was dating older men and she was doing things that like maybe not your average college student and like people in her dorm were doing, right? Things right. like that. So um, she told a friend, though, that she had met a man in one of those chat rooms because she was Ooh. pretty open about what she, okay. you yeah. know, what her interests were and things like that. Um, and told her friend that not only did she meet this good guy, but she was actually going to go stay with him for a little bit. Um, cause she was going to go live with him because, uh, he had some training to send her to, uh, cause she was going to like work uh, with him. So this is an employment training or is Correct. this, uh, uh, a little of both. Okay. A okay. little of both. So like he was going to train her in the like sub dom relationship like they were gonna like pursue a relationship but then he was also gonna train her uh in some of like his business stuff because um of course now he's like capitalizing on her interests right so it's right so he's saying it's a secretarial position but really what i want you to focus on is more like illustrative work and like marketing Marketing, and and, you know advertisement i want you to use that art so of course you know He'll be anything that she needs him to be, right? Right. So, in this case, that's what he told her. And she even told her parents that she was married. Now, in a couple of sources that I saw, this relationship was pretty lengthy. Like, years. What? Like, they were an item, if you will. Honestly, not for nothing. How the fuck does this guy have time for this? Mm -hmm. I know. What does he do? I know. Well, I mean, he's got... This one's social security check. He's cashing. He's got this one's alimony check. Yep. He's cashing. I mean, he's like, yeah. everything's a con. Everything's a scam. He got the 25 grand out of, off his friend from last oh, yeah, episode. That's fucking right. So, he's, um, you know, let's not forget that he's scamming everyone he comes into contact with. But in this girl's particular case, from what I could find, and it wasn't explicitly said, like, this is the longest relationship he had with one of his victims. But from what I'm putting together, this is the longest relationship mm-hmm. he's had with one of his victims because they were together for years. And yeah. friends even said that he had given her an engagement ring. That's nuts. Now, she was telling people she was married. And right. I'm sure he, again, like swept her off her feet and told her everything she wanted to hear. I'm not sure that she knew that he was married. Right. Um, maybe. But in this case, uh, they were together now i don't know what kind of real work for any company because again none of his fucking companies were real right but i think that they were into that like subculture kind of world together and i didn't see anything that they went to like swinging clubs or anything like that but i could i could see where he would get like get there i think that they were i think they were doing a lot of extra stuff that wasn't included in there and of course we can't ask her right um because you know by 1999, she wasn't heard from again. What so fuck? we don't know what happened to her. And she was only 21 years old. That's so young. So young. So, I mean, really her entire time in school, right? You think like from when she graduated high school till she was 21, pretty sure she was with this guy. That's like honestly mind blowing. Like I know. Just the idea that somebody could keep that going for so long. 
I mean, like, at the rest least over them? a year, maybe it might have been two years, but it's really difficult to find times because, and we'll talk about this later, we don't get any information from John. What the fuck? Nope. So it's all what we can piece together of what the victims told loved ones. Okay. This is where I'm going to go. This is, you know, this is what this I was I'm told doing. I was doing. Yeah. So that's if they were being honest with their family. Right. That doesn't matter because we're and almost entirely sure that John wasn't being honest with them. So right. it's really difficult to piece together timelines for a lot of this. Well, and unfortunately, especially with the stigma that kind of comes around kink, but specifically like BDSM stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it just being like of sexual nature, even if they did know and it was advertised to them like something in that realm, would you tell your family? I love my parents. I probably wouldn't be like, hey, I'm going on a sexcapade later. Like, well, I'm right. not going to do that. And she felt comfortable enough to tell her friends. Right. Which is good. But that she also told her friends and family that she was married and i mean maybe maybe you know engagement married i mean maybe that that was used interchangeably for her but or maybe this fucker doctored up a fake wedding certificate could have honestly computer could have been and with this a lot of people said she'd wear a ring right so you know at least we can put together that he gave it to her right we don't know what the you know terms were of that but all of that to say that by 1999, she was not heard from again, <sighs> and she was 21 years old at that time. That so then, sucks. without missing a beat, again in 1999, John saw an ad for a slave wanting to be dominated. Mm. Uh, this woman, her name was Suzette Truton, and she was 28 years old, and she lived in Newport, Michigan. So... He propositioned her for, you know, just the lifestyle she was looking for and offered to employ her to take care of his elderly dad, like be a caretaker, but also, you know, the slave piece and the sub dom piece. And I mean, she put the ad out there like she was looking for a dom and he answered that ad and, you know, you could, here's how, here's a way that you can make some legitimate money as a as a caretaker but also we're gonna have some fun and she was game uh what she didn't know though was that john's dad had been dead years Mm. and there was no elderly dad to care for um and i also think it's important to mention that suzette was really close with her mom and her mom didn't know anything about her daughter's involvement in the BDSM community. It wasn't like a topic of conversation for them, but they did talk over the phone daily. And Suzette's mom, Carolyn, just suddenly stopped getting phone calls from her daughter altogether, which was odd. She said that Carolyn would have never yeah. done that. Well, and if you're that close and you talk that frequently right. to go from like 100 to zero real quick. Exactly. And... In this case, remember how he would always have them, like, sign pieces of paper and he'd send mail? Well, now with computers, uh, it's email. So now... He just needs an email password. Correct. Carolyn started getting odd emails from her daughter, Suzette, and she said she knew immediately that something was wrong. Right. The reason for that was because uh, words weren't spelled the way that she would have spelled them. For example, Hmm. um, her dog's names were spelled not how she spelled them which she said yeah, uh, red she fucking flag wouldn't spell her own dog's names incorrectly uh the dog's names were pika and Aww. harry 
and this sent off alarm bells for Carolyn. Wait, how the hell do you spell Harry wrong? Well, I think it was Pika. Oh, is that a Q-A or a C-A? Neither. Oh. A, well, at least from the articles oh, okay. I found, it was P-E-E-K-A. Oh, that's cute. I know. Pika. Kind of like Pikachu. But anyway. um, this, like, Carolyn was like, absolutely not. My kid wouldn't mm-hmm. spell this incorrect. Like, she wouldn't spell her own dog's name wrong. So, uh, the other thing that she pointed out was if she stopped hearing from her, uh, where are the dogs? Because she adored her dogs and like her dogs were like her kids. And so she's like, if you go to check on the dogs and they're not okay, then something really bad happened to Suzette Yeah, because she wouldn't go anywhere without them. No, of course not. And Carolyn reports Suzette missing. So, police had discovered that two dogs had been found near property that John had lived at. I don't know if it was an apartment that he was renting or a trailer, but there was some land there, and two dogs were found on March 1st, 2000. And they were running around, and ironically, uh, March 1st in the year 2000 was the same day that Suzette had disappeared. It was the last day anybody had heard from her. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the detectives actually visited a family that had adopted one of the dogs and called and said Pika and the dog's ears perked up and his tail started wagging and he ran to him. So it pretty much confirmed that it was her dogs. That makes me so... I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm incredibly happy that they got adopted, but that poor little puppy. I know. And... At this time, Carolyn is convinced that whoever fucking John is had something to do with her daughter's Uh, disappearance. Yeah. And while some investigators are watching every single move that John makes, Carolyn and other investigators have a new plan. And this is a good one. So one of the detectives on the case gave Carolyn a tape recorder so that she could record a phone call that she was going to have so she, she pose so she well, no but she called okay. john okay and was recording the call and i have the transcripts from it here it's from this is uh from an abc news article okay but i mean you can like the transcripts are available um and you can even hear the call too if you want to um so john had told carolyn that her daughter had left with someone else to travel the world so uh, he said, yeah, I was going to help her like, get a job and everything, but she kind of like blew me off and ran off with someone else instead. So I'm not sure where she is. Um, which Carolyn did not believe, obviously. Right. So Carolyn said, quote, we haven't heard anything in a couple of weeks and I'm getting really nervous. And John said, oh, hon, don't, don't, you know, I wouldn't get nervous. So then Carolyn says, I'm nervous. She always calls me. And he mm-hmm. said, oh, well, I'm. From what I understand, they're they're on a boat somewhere, and she couldn't... Kind of hard to call. <laughs> and so, the mom's like, I'm really getting nervous. I don't know. Maybe I should call the police or something. And he says, why? And she said, well, I haven't heard from her. Yeah. And he said, honey, hun, she's a big girl. Ew. Yeah. And then, later in the phone call, uh, Carolyn, you know, asked him whether... She should notify someone about about the disappearance. You know, she's like kind of teased about calling the yeah. police, but she's like, well, should I? I mean, what should I do? And he goes, hun, I wouldn't, you know, I really wouldn't, uh, wouldn't worry about it too much. I'm sure that when, when they hit the next place, they'll, um, they'll send us a card or 
call us or email us or something. <sighs> okay. Maybe this is just me and the experiences I've had with people, but why well, can we just stop fucking calling strangers hun? That really? like gives me skeeves. Like I I don't mind pet names, like nicknames for people, but there's something that just sends like a chill up my spine when it's a random ass man and he's like hun. I'm like, "Uh-uh." Really? I hun don't your mind fucking that. Self. I uh, uh I don't know. I think it's kind of sweet. Maybe not like a I don't know. Maybe not like an entire stranger. Yeah. But like. Like like I said, I don't mind some things. Like, again, nicknames, some pet names are fine. But it's something feels very fake to me about hun. Like, I wouldn't naturally. I might say honey to like a partner. Mm. But I wouldn't naturally call somebody hun. Well, I mean, in this case, to just be like. Don't worry about a hunt. Ooh. Yeah, hun, don't worry about it, even though I murdered your daughter. Yeah. Like, oh, she'll call us. Oh, I you'll worry I, about it too I much. I have a feeling you'll get an email from her in a couple about of days. About three hours. I don't know how I know that. But, I mean, please, mm-hmm. you know. But, truthfully, with this, like, the police are fucking on to him. Yes, obviously. But Well, but they should be. Honestly, all they can do is watch, because at this point, like. They got nothing. He hasn't fucking done anything. Right. He hasn't nothing that they can connect connect him to. They've got documented interactions now, of course, fake, but right. documented interactions between these women and their families, saying that they've left and they've whatever, and they've signed it. They've put pen yep. to paper. That is their signature. That can be confirmed, you know. And in the line of work he's in, you know, quote unquote line of work he's in, right. Um, it's to help them get on their feet. So it isn't this long-term, you know, relationship, this yeah. long-term working relationship that he would have with them. It is supposed to be... In and out. Interim. It's supposed to just be temporary until they get where they're going. Ugh. And if you believe what he's doing, then he's doing a great job. If these women are getting out and making a life for themselves. Now, of course, we know that's not what's happening. Right. But if you're someone that believes him and don't have any reason to suspect him, then you think he's doing a great job. Yeah. And so with this, you know, he looks like this doting husband. He's a supportive father. He's a volunteer and he's active in his community. And he may have some affairs on the side. Uh, teach his own. And sure, some of the women are never seen again, but they're just on yachts in Europe or traveling the world or away to training. Or any of the other hundreds of lies that he has told this far. I hate him. (laughs) So they start looking through his trash. And they can. And they found a lot of shredded documents, actually. And attempted to reconfigure them. Like, put them back together. And I don't know whose shit list at the PD that you had to be on to get assigned that task. No, honestly, I'd love that. That's like a puzzle. You want to put the shredding back together? Yes. Have at it. I, lo- I love it. I'm like, like, you have to draw the ultimate short stick for that. That is horrible. Oh, give me the short stick. I'll take it. Oh, I'm my. so nosy. Horrible. I want to know, what the <laughs> fuck are you shredding? If it's not like your bank statements that I can't get your routing number, great. But I want to, I'm nosy as hell. I got to know. What, what the fuck are you shredding if it's not to like protect your personal identifying information? Well, if you were the one putting this together and God willing you were able to do this, you would have found... That he actually had a storage locker in Raymore, Missouri, that hmm. he was shredding documents on. I'm sure. 
So they also found out that he seemed to take several trips to a 16-acre lot of land that he had in Lynn County, Kansas. Oh. So he's Lynn? he's making lots of trips, lots of farm little I don't yeah. know, farmersonly.com picks. Seriously. farmersonly.com. Uh so we've got that. And we've got the storage locker. Yeah. So in June of 2000, John was arrested on charges of aggravated sexual battery and theft of more than $500 worth of sex toys from two women <laughs> that were from out of town. Sorry. One more time. Uh, <clears throat> $500 worth of sex toys. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. What kind of shit are they getting? I don't know. What kind of magical dildo were they investing in? I mean, that's a fucking that vibrator pricey. could give someone a black eye. Five hundred dollars? Seriously. Now it was a combination of items, so I won't say it was like this one holy grail elite okay. dildo. A, a dildo and a fucking handcuff so that you can't move all um, punches they were you in the furry, eye. All right, seriously, get over yeah, it. Yeah, cute. Um, but really, <laughs> uh, it was. I think it was. It was two women. They didn't know each other. They weren't okay. Like I, they're maybe a couple of days apart. I think when this happened, but one of them was stolen from. Okay, the five hundred dollars worth of sex toys, <laughs> and I think that the other one he had said that he had like assaulted her, oh. and around the same time, like within the week, they both went to the police about him, and they were from Good. out of town, so they just like went to the PD and was like, "Hey, this is ridiculous." What the fuck? Um, yeah, or sheriff's office or whatever. And um, he was putting them up in like hotel rooms motel rooms things like that and i think investigators had been following him to the point where if he rented a room they'd rent the room next to him got it and like listen yeah to make like see if they could get him on anything right um so they were they were on to him and while they had him in custody in june of 2000 they searched the farm in lynn county okay so this is the kansas farm and uh unfortunately this is where cadaver dogs notified handlers of scent um in these big chemical drums that were on the property also good puppies good puppies love a police a grim discovery for the puppies sad sad day but good puppies and yes they're the goodest boys and they got all the treats okay good okay i can move forward now because the rest of this is gonna suck and i just had to take a second to be like correct i gotta live on the dogs i hope so yeah um so as the investigators were moving like the barrels because they're these big fucking chemical drum mm-hmm. pieces of shit, uh, <laughs> they're trying to like move it to get a better look at it, and it tipped, <gasps> and this like really gross red liquid started trickling what? out. Ew! And they flipped it upright and they opened it, and they found the decomposing body of Suzette Truman. Um, and the body was actually being dissolved in acid. So that's what that was. So in the next barrel, they found the body of Isabella Lewicka, which was the Polish art student. Yeah. Um, so then of course they're like, holy fucking shit. So they go over to the storage locker because again, they found Mm -hmm. the information, you know, the receipt and everything for that. And at the storage locker, they found more barrels 
Oh um, my god! There they found uh, Beverly Bonner. So remember the prison uh. librarian, um, and also the bodies of Sheila and Debbie Faith, which were the mother daughter uh, duo. And he had put cat litter down in the storage locker to try to mask the smell, which I'm sure didn't do fucking Shit. anything. Uh, with decomposing fucking bodies in there. Now, what could have done something maybe was cat pee. Correct, because that litter. shit's awful. <laughs> oh, that'll punch you right in the face. Um, that'll make your eyes fuck? water. Yep. So so far we've got five bodies. Shit. We've got five bodies. Those found. detectives were like jumping up and down, like we fucking got. But it. they were like fucking finally. Cause yeah. If they didn't gone through the trash and found a storage locker receipt of all things, a, a shredded yep. storage locker receipt, put it together. I mean. When would this have happened? How many other people would have died? Right. So now th- now they fucking got him. Yes. And in his home, they found several more incriminating pieces of information. They found, uh, you know, blank letters signed by Suzette. Mm-hmm. They found, this is fucked, a template for letters to write to the families of the victims. So he had, like... A couple of working templates that he used that he Insert would sort of name here. yeah rotate uh, between like families and things. So he was very organized and he kept track of what letters went to which family members and like what on what day they went. And he would make sure he wouldn't send the exact same one to the like multiple members of the right. same family. So if they looked, you know, if they compared notes, then they wouldn't entirely match. Right. But he would have like stock letters basically that Ew. he would send. It was it was very very intricate i hate that so then they found a receipt from 1985 and remind you this is 2000 okay so uh 1985 with lisa stacy's name on it from the motel that he had put her up in remember Mm. uh and again she's the one whose baby Mm -hmm. was missing yes so of course police then add murder charges for the five women's remains found on his farm um, they also connected him to the following missing women. And again, this, they're just missing. Paula Godfrey, Catherine Clampett, Lisa Stacy, and the baby Tiffany Stacy. Okay. So it was at this time that the investigators are tipped off that John's brother Donald had adopted a baby girl the same time that Lisa and Tiffany uh. disappeared. And through DNA tests confirmed that the then 15-year-old no. Heather Robinson was in fact Tiffany Stacy. Which, once again, Heather Tiffany Robinson. Correct. And Donald ah. Robinson, the, the again, the brother, could not fathom the news that he had been given. He was absolutely beside himself. He felt so much betrayal by his yeah. brother who murdered women and stole a baby and then sold the baby to him. He For scammed, thousands of dollars. He scammed him out of thousands and thousands of dollars with lawyer fees and made all the paperwork look legitimate. Again, real adoption attorneys' names, the right. real n- names of real notaries in the area. I mean, if you were to researched it, looked it up, or called the office of these places, you would have gotten those names. Like when right. John fabricated this, he did his fucking homework. Uh, he even made like the judge's signatures look like the signatures of the judges that were in that area that were in the family court so it was very intricate but most of all what donald feared the most was what this discovery would mean for the custody of their 15 year old daughter that they had raised basically from birth (sighs) 
who they loved more than anything and how this was going to impact and shape the rest of her life. Right. Because this is earth shattering for her. Yeah. Not only do you find out that your fucking uncle of all people Mm -hmm. murdered your mom, but also you find out that none of this was actually legal and you might have an entire other family out there willing to fight tooth and nail for you i mean she was under the impression she always knew she was adopted so that piece of it it wasn't like she was raised as theirs and it was like this big hush hush secret right but she had just kind of thought that her biological family just hadn't wanted you know had had severed ties with her and a close adoption adoption and it is what it is and she had questions she wondered but she had kind of come to terms with the fact that she wasn't going to get answers on those right um and she loved her family she had a great parents who loved her just as much adoptive parents are just as much the parents they're just biological they're just parents making the kids the easy part yeah literally you know it's it's the the rest of it it's the rest of it and she knew that and she knew that you know her adoptive family was family yeah and uncle john was just that he was uncle john and poor girl um we all have a creepy uncle, but that's an extreme. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with this, as they're making the notification of putting together, okay, like, Heather is Tiffany, Tiffany is Heather, like, yeah, Einhorn is Finkel, Finkel's Einhorn, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Uh, they get autopsy results back on the bodies found in the barrels. <sighs> and unfortunately, with, like, the literal acid... De- like decomposition and everything yeah they really couldn't figure out much uh what they did know though was that each of the women had likely been bludgeoned to death oh. um they were pretty sure that it was a a violent death um and likely with hammers because he had 18 <gasps> hammers on his property 18 yeah and that's just a lot of fucking hammers bro um, you got two hands for like a non-carpenter yeah <laughs> like that's a even lot of for a carpenter what you probably have a lightweight a midweight a big one and maybe a special occasion one so yeah he had uh, 18 and that's so many fucking hammers they could they could tell like i think they could see um like like damage to the skull mm-hmm. in the remains that you could still see the skull in right um that it they knew it was like blunt force trauma right um you're telling me a blunt force to this trauma? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time with this, so I'm just <laughs> laughing through it. Um, no, I don't blame you. And but that's all we know. Fuck. That's all we know about how they died. And we're gonna get to this a little bit more because the court piece of this is like really can be frustrating, is a little bit confusing, but Okay. John was given every opportunity to spill. Um he probably would have had some kind of plea or agreement mm-hmm. or something and he wouldn't say a goddamn word he wouldn't offer any information on those that were still missing he wouldn't offer any information on those that were found about how they died nothing and a big draw to this case in particular is just how well rounded he seemed mm-hmm. uh he wore it well you right. know um he maintained a pretty decent marriage i mean he was with nancy for decades he raised decent children his kids were like well-adjusted you know successful you know contributing members of society you know he was a relatively present dad yeah 
Um, he held down some jobs for the most part, you know, until they figured him out. But right. he, the fucking bills Provided. were paid. I don't yeah. know. Like, <laughs> I mean, of course, now we know that was, you know, from scamming everybody. But really on the outside, if you didn't look, you didn't follow the paper trails, he seemed pretty decent. Right. Uh, in terms of like what he could provide for his family. And really, he just knew the right things to say and how to say them. He wasn't this ghoulish figure in the alleyway or the masked man that like runs up on you. He was simply just a nice enough guy. He's literally like a John Gacy. He, yeah, he's yeah. persuasive. He promised women whatever it happened to be that they were looking for. For a young new mother, it was, you know, a GED course and shelter and help getting back on her feet. For a mother with a daughter with a disability, it was help paying for her hospital bills. For younger women into the you know, BDSM lifestyle. It was a guy that they had been conversing with who promised them that kind of life as well as travel and adventure right. and fun. Uh, he sort of shapeshifted into who he needed to be to secure the women coming to him. Yeah. And uh, according to ABC, one of the supervisors who was on the Missouri Board of Probation and Parole um, his name is Steve Hames, and in 1985, he described him this way. He said, he looks more like the Pillsbury Doughboy mm. than he does, you know, the Chainsaw Massacre guy. He's very congenial. He smiles. He laughs. He tells stories. He slaps you on the back, and he's got a good handshake. And I just That's a good felt like that was rap. such a good description yeah. of him, because that is exactly what it is. He yeah. looks harmless he's a little rounder around the edges and his you know in his later years if you All will in his 40s uh, and yeah he you know his face filled in a little bit around the sides he kind of lost that chiseled jawline he had in his youth and i don't know he just kind of looked like your dad yeah and you know the dad that like coached baseball and like went to church most sundays yeah, maybe not might, every sunday but most sundays he might get a little angry at the ref from time to time but like good good looking guy for, like he, he in was terms all right. of life. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't look twice at him if he like offered to drive your kid home from school. Yeah, you'd be like, Okay, have fun. So in two thousand two, John Robinson was put on trial in Kansas. And he was tried for the murders of Lisa Stacy, Suzette Truton, and Isabella Lewicka, as well as several other charges that included, you know, uh interfering with parental rights, uh, in terms of, you know, baby Tiffany. Ugh um theft you know the other rundown yeah um and he was actually sentenced to death for the murders of suzette and isabella but not for lisa okay because she had been murdered while kansas had outlawed the death penalty and the others were murdered after it was reinstated interesting so he was still charged with it, but he wasn't sentenced to death for it. Well, I mean, he was already sentenced thrice Correct. over. But yep. that's so interesting that they're taking time of death as the laws applicable. Yep. Fascinating. Okay. So then after that, he was shipped on over to Missouri where he faced the trial in Missouri. Because, again, okay. all of this was all over state lines, which is why mm-hmm. it was really difficult to catch him. And this time, uh, prosecution offered a plea deal in exchange for information about the location of uh the bodies of paula godfrey lisa stacy and Catherine clampett i believe they offered him like to be spared the death penalty so that he mm-hmm. wouldn't be in death row in both places um they weren't gonna let him get away with it but if he would right. give information about where their bodies were they could work with him but uh he said no dice the and fuck? to this day we do not know where they are so we are almost entirely sure that he murdered paula lisa and Catherine. i mean it's 
we we do know i'm not gonna say almost entirely sure we fucking know he did it yeah um we just don't know what fucking facility he put their bodies and drums at or where they might be what other property is his yeah and again with all the aliases he had and just how basic the names were it wouldn't it wouldn't be something that you'd find yeah so uh the hell sorry i know i i know yeah no i know so in october 2003 he entered a plea and it was really weird it's a plea that basically isn't guilty but was guilty yeah in a strange way um and it was accepted as a guilty plea okay and even though it wasn't was it like no contender no okay because it was called something else interesting because i thought that too because i'm like okay it's basically saying i know that you have enough evidence on me to find me guilty but i'm not admitting i'm to not gonna it, admit it but, but i I'm, know it would be but yeah. i'm acknowledging the fact that you know you have more on me than i have to back you know my story yeah in. yeah but it wasn't that i don't know and maybe it's like their equivalent but okay. it was just so it was difficult to find but really the sentence it came with was guilty um the plea just spared him the death penalty there so he kind of like already got that even though he didn't do what he that the offer was if he gave information on the names so just really odd how they did it and again he was already on death row in kansas so hell doesn't matter yeah so and if he doesn't die from the first chair we have (laughs) seriously two we have more a to fucking try firing squad yeah uh no oh, that one didn't work oh okay yeah right <laughs> um so we're gonna fast forward to 2015 okay and kansas vacated the conviction of the murders of lisa stacy and suzette truton on technicalities for fucking what that's all that it says is technicalities okay uh but they did uphold the conviction for isabella's murder and for that one he's still on death row um, still like date? currently today he's Damn. still on death row but um that's where he sits now i want to talk about the aftermath because even though john is there and i'm sure fucking happier than a pig and shit that he got away with it for as long as he did and i'm sure he chats up the guards i'm and sure he's pissed that he doesn't have more all of that everyone else that was affected by him is still affected by him so i want to talk a little bit about them so uh first of all i just thought this was funny in 2005 so mind you in two in the year 2000 he was arrested Mm -hmm. all of this was squared away by 2003 he was already on death row okay by 2005 nancy filed for divorce okay she waited until 2005 nancy she had been married to him for 41 years. Oh, babe. She cited incompatibility and <laughs> irreconcilable differences. Um, to say the fucking least, Nancy. Damn it, Nancy. She calls it like she sees it, I guess. He killed people, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy, the reason is he's a fucking murderer. He had acid drums with women's bodies, Nancy. Nancy. Uh, fucking Nancy. And this is about her. He's a piece of shit, but still, I just want to say. I know. After he's on death row, she's like, you know what? I think this is, I think we gave it a good run. your father and I are getting into Now, we still love each other very much, and it doesn't change how we feel about you. No, and it's not your fault. And it's not your fault. Not at all your fault. But But really, this one isn't your fault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yes. So, according to ABC News, and again, I found a lot on um, Heather Robinson specifically, 
uh, through ABC. So again, formerly Tiffany. Mm-hmm. Um, she said this about her mom, Lisa. She said, quote, she had everything taken away from her. Justice and closure for me is finding her remains and giving her a proper burial. Closure is knowing exactly what happened, and peace is finally being able to definitively say Lisa was a person, and this is what they did to her, and this is where she is, and then to be able to finally move on with my life. Oh, baby girl. And she also said, quote, I've been open, openly asked, well, don't you want to know who your biological father is? I said, absolutely not. Inside, in my heart, I have a dad, and I don't need another one. Oh, that's going to make me cry. Because really her bio dad yeah left them yeah regardless when he found out that lisa and the baby went missing he was like oh shit they're missing but he had already left he had already washed his hands of them he said "Mm, i'm good and so when all of this made the news and i'm sure and again his name's carl so fuck you carl if you're hearing this you did bye uh he went on the news and he was just like, yeah, I think if she knows I'm alive, she'd want to talk to me. I mean, I'm her biological dad after all. I'm her father. No, you're the and sperm it's like, bank. It's like, like, no, 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 no. You were involved for what? Two minutes? I'll be generous. Three minutes. Mm. Even that. if it was five, um, five before she had a fucking memory doesn't count. So when, you know, she still had to go to a women's shelter because you said peace and left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then didn't, like, want to support your kid. Who knows if he even knew, like, immediately when Lisa went missing that right. her and his infant daughter were missing. So she said she didn't want to have a relationship with him. And what makes me really happy is Heather Robinson uh, was legally adopted by Donald Robinson. Good. Oh. At 18. Good. Um, and she actually did connect with some of her maternal family members like she had a relationship with um her mom's mom so her her bio maternal grandmother she had a good relationship with and like sort of made up for lost time with the family on her mom's side that stayed looking right for her um who you know who cared right um but i just thought it was very wholesome that she still chose her adopt like yeah. her adopted family. She doesn't hold it against her parents that her uncle is did such a piece of shit. Horrific yeah. things. Yeah. Which is really mature. And unfortunately, like we always see it with victims that are young. Like the narrative is always you're so strong and so mature. Mm-hmm. And I know it only gets that way from being through hell and going through it. Mm-hmm. And like it's awful that she had to learn to be that mature so young, but yeah. she really did. She didn't do the whole teenager like, fuck everyone, fuck this, fuck you. Yeah. She got it together. And I'm not for nothing. I'm sure there's a lot of trauma there. Oh, of course. But also, I'm sure it was kind of a connecting trauma bond for her and her parents to learn about all of this at the same time. I think it was probably so comforting to her that she fully had confirmation that her adoptive parents had nothing to do with what happened i mean and she even said herself in one of the articles like she saw the adoption paperwork that john Mm -hmm. had doctored she said it looked so legitimate right like she said it if she had looked at it even today you know even decades later like yeah that looks legit (laughs) like i i wouldn't have second guessed that at all um you know, and just to to know in your heart that the people that raised you, that loved you, didn't have that malicious intent, mm-hmm. even though the f- 
someone else in the family did. I think that she kept that close to the chest knowing that. And I think, too, that it was kind of obvious that her adoptive parents were going to be respectful of that. Like, to me, the the whole notion of changing her name but keeping her name in her name Mm -hmm. is super respectful. And I like, you know, I... We've talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the pod. Uh, I don't want kids of my own, probably. But I would always be open to like adoption and fostering. And I just don't think you can say that you're doing that and loving your child for exactly everything that they are in their entire life without honoring the notion of their life before you were there. And recognizing that stuff did happen. And I right. think it was like and I love some that kind they of did homage it. to her biological mom who they were under the impression took her own life in a motel room yep may or may not have had the baby in the room like what like a very traumatic upsetting situation but here's this four month you know the 16 week old baby girl itty bitty baby who needs a like who needs parents and needs someone to love or they're told right has nobody and they take that on they say we'll do that and And then love her for every minute that they have her exactly and that's what i love like it's harder i think to find adopted parents that will do something like that for infants Mm -hmm. like obviously with older kids it's a lot you can't just like ignore that Mm -hmm. but for the babies just to like put a nod to it i like that gave me a good feeling and i'm glad it was very much confirmed that's all (laughs) Well, another thing will give you a good feeling. Uh, in okay. 2007, Heather won a civil suit against the hospital and the social worker that connected John Fuck and her yeah. Um, because they never confirmed that the company, this was new startup legit. he made, was legitimate. And so they ended up reaching an agreement and Heather won money. Uh, it doesn't say yeah. what the amount was. Even if she won 20 bucks. It was an undisclosed good. amount. But it was someone accepting responsibility or enough responsibility to pay out to mm-hmm. not talk about it anymore um, that you can't just throw, you know, young mothers or, or any patient, anyone in need of services yeah. at services that you didn't confirm are services. Right. Like, I'm sure he came in with a briefcase and he came in with his tie looking all spiffy and shit. He might have even doctored up a fucking pamphlet, but... <laughs> now, granted, it didn't mean that not everybody else fell for it, too, because he was right. persuasive. But this one guy, like, did you meet any other staff? It's just this one guy. Yeah. That's the whole company? This one guy. Okay. Fucking yeah. guy. So, you know what I mean? Just something like that. So... Whatever that amount of money was, she actually split it with her maternal grandmother. Oh, I love that. Which I think is awesome. Her name's Patricia Sylvester. Hey. And they, again, were very close. And she also won another ruling, which I think is awesome because she, like, fucking made sure of this. Yes. uh, That prevents John from ever seeing a red cent in terms of, like, book sales about him or film rights. or Anything done to, like, adapt to his life. Yeah. Um. Or even, like, inspired by, he can't get anything from. I love Now, that. I don't know if that means that she does. I don't think so. I think it just prevents him from profiting. Which is enough. And um, a lot of things in, like, film and horror and things have been, mm-hmm. like, um, inspired by him. Oh, yeah. He's a horrific human. I can um, get that. One of them that was, it wasn't confirmed, but it was rumored. But because I did the Mark Twitchell case, I wanted to mention it here. 
that there is a season of Dexter. I want to say it's season three, but I could be wrong. Mm. Uh, where there's um, a killer or killers that are abducting women, assaulting them. And then when they kill them, they dispose of them in like these chemical drums, these like buckets, ah. basically, and like leave them in like a marshland or whatever. But they're like trying to dissolve them in acid or just like get right. rid of them. And it's believed that it's based loosely off of the drums found on mm. John Robinson's um, that's wild property and stuff. So there's just a little tie to Dexter, which yeah. you know I love Dexter and Michael C. Hall. Um, so I had to mention that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I, a lot of things have been, again, nothing, I don't know that anything's been made like on his life. I mean, I'm sure there's been some, but nothing that I've seen or that you right. or I have probably heard of, but I think it would be such a cool fucking idea if they did. But, um, some things, anything like with barrels and bodies being in barrels, mm-hmm. like spooky oogie. post 2005. Yeah. Wild. So, um, you know, John Robinson, absolute disgusting piece of wet shit who deserves only the very worst only the hottest hell and only the worst pain of pain Mm -hmm. um but one last time i just want to go over his victims yeah i like that so in 1984 paula godfrey uh, she was 19 years old Mm. her remains were never found in 1985 lisa stacy uh she was 19 at the time and her remains were also never found in 1987, Catherine Clampett, who was 27 years old, her remains were never found. In 1993, after John was incarcerated, Beverly Bonner, age 49, mm. uh, disappeared and her remains were discovered at the storage facility. In 1994, Sheila Faith, uh, who was 45, and her daughter Debbie Faith, who were 15, uh, both of their remains were found at the storage facility. In 1999, Isabella Lewicka, who was 21, uh, was murdered and her remains were discovered on the farm, basically yep. on that on that 16-acre uh, lot. And in 2000, Suzette Truton, who was 28, uh, her remains were also found on that farm. And there are believed to be more yeah. victims. Um, there's certainly... I have no doubt. We're not believing that it was just these women... Um, but unfortunately he has never once cooperated with investigators, so we might never know, but other missing persons cases in that area had actually initially been believed to be him, but then were ruled out by like other offenders that were in Mm. the area. So, um, at least the ones local to where he was that were like, yeah, right at that time have a lot of them have been ruled out, but we can't know for sure. Um, and today he is still on death row at the El Dorado Correctional Facility in Kansas and he is 79 years old. And that is the horrific tale of John Edward Robinson. That. Wow. Fuck this guy. Amazing that you've never heard of him. Right. Amazing. And I say you as in like, I didn't know until yeah. I really dug into like lesser known serial killers. But holy shit. What's wild to me and what makes me. 900% convinced that there are more mm-hmm. is just noticing how quickly the turnaround is in the earlier ones and then that five-year gap I don't think there was a five-year gap and what is so it's 1984 1985 1987 
So there's definitely probably a couple between the 85 and 87. Yep. And probably a few between 87 and 93. No, he was incarcerated 87 to 93. Okay. Okay. So then it, I think there had to yeah. be some between so 94 and 99. So as soon as he gets out, because I think, it, what, at 94 is when Beverly was murdered, right? 93 is 93, Beverly. Okay, and so then 94 is Sheila. Sheila and Debbie, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? How do you... Now, okay. How do you do that to anybody? Like, how do you beat them? For Like, I mean, there's quite literally no reason. You no. lured them there, and then what? They wouldn't seek you out. Nope. But how do you... Like, what gets me is the Sheila and Debbie thing. Because yeah. Sheila moved there with the understanding that, yeah, there might be some sexual things going on in their relationship. Right. But really, she thought that her daughter, her 15-year-old Would special needs daughter, might and have a better shot. This guy's a fucking father. Uh-huh. Somehow. I know. I like, know. 15 19 you don't look at those fucking faces and see your daughter nope nope i mean that's just i know wild but also to me i just and maybe maybe this is sheer laziness on my end and that's possible i get it i can be lazy but how do you have time for this and then how do you do that to somebody and look them in the face and fucking end their life Mm -hmm. over something that you created that was a lie to get them there so you could end their life. Uh And then on top of that, dispose of them in all of these ways and keep covering up your tracks and keep lying to people and And keep keep records things straight. Yeah. I can't lie to people because I fucking forget. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, Oh yeah, no, I did that thing. Remember? And people would be like, Mm." no, seriously, he kept records of it. And he was, but on the outside. Yeah. It just looked so good. And you wouldn't imagine him this. Yeah. You know, if you like to waltz with potatoes. Is that how you picture him? Yeah. But like. I look at him and I see like a weird side VeggieTales character. (laughs) (laughs) But like. there was Not Larry Boy. There was just (laughs) something so like, oh, he's just innocent. He's so whatever. You don't imagine him in that like BDSM subculture in I, chat I could see rooms, it. and you but you don't you don't picture like your like your dad like that like that age. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, but I think f- maybe it's the whole hindsight. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But looking at him, he does not sound to me or sound. He does not look to me like a confident man who knows he has it going on. And I have a theory that kinks, you pretty much are always opposite whatever you are in real life. So that kind of, that makes some sense to me. He seems like he'd be kind of a timid, you know, go Jimmy, hit the <laughs> baseball sports and then gets <laughs> home team. and is like, I'm the man. And you're like, well, okay, you're a man, but let's not go that far. Well, like, and that's why they, they called him the internet's first serial killer because yeah. once the internet was a thing and he was so well versed in it from prison when he got out all of his interactions with women just went from being like actually meeting in person to luring them online i mean it just became so easy to him yeah toward the end because it was so easy to talk to people this was the first time you could do it from your living room right you could have an affair 
and not leave your house yeah and no one would be seen coming into your house you know what i'm saying like this was this was a different way in the same way that when we talked about um the murder of doris angleton yeah when she like had the chat room and she was talking yeah. to that guy and talking on the phone and you never before could you and fall yeah, and fall in love with somebody at a state whose face you don't know yeah, yeah who's not next to you who's not being seen coming in and out of your house who the neighbors are gonna find yeah your neighbors can't whisper over their the car and yeah. yeah no one's going to see that no one's gonna know that and so this was the first of its kind and a horrific one of that so here's a wet piece of shit isn't he just a wet piece of dog shit he is an hat and a douche canoe and aunt like, dick on a stick yeah dick on, dick on a stick is a really good one i'm proud of that but um <laughs> i just like i feel so much for everybody involved in this one because obviously and i know ali and i talk about all of this and we always say like we try to put ourselves in the shoes of victims mm-hmm. but in a case like this where it is so grand like the amount of victims that are primary victims but then exponentially bigger when you start to take into consideration secondary victims Mm -hmm. like family members fucking heather all of you know her maternal family and what they had to go through every single family member that this guy bold-faced lied and not only was like no i have nothing to do with it i'm helping and they wronged me Mm -hmm. like no you are a piece of shit but like it's just astronomical in comparison to some of the other things we see which is awful well and i this one and i think it's just because i just covered jacob wetterling's murder yeah but there's just something about some of these where by the time they noticed something was off yeah like by the time the letters started to come in and they're like that's not spelled right or this looks weird or Mm -hmm. whatever it is it, they were already dead. Yeah. By the time they noticed something was wrong, they it were already gone. Jacob Wetterling, they searched for decades. Yeah. And he was dead within the first few hours that he was taken. Yeah. There's just something so haunting about, like, the search afterwards, and that's all for nothing. Not not for nothing in that those answers aren't worth having, but they're not going to change the outcome mm-hmm. because it's already done. And in this case, you know, so many of them were already dead probably already in the barrels before their families were like that's, well, a, that's weird a weird email. letter and yeah. well, she hasn't called me and that's odd and she would have never spelled her dog's name wrong you know fucking a but i just yeah i want to give them all a big hug i know not the what piece of shit but i no, want to give the rest of them yeah but that is the um very haunting disturbing upsetting vile story of john edward robinson and honestly as awful as it sounds to say this in the same breath but that was a lot of fun um and just like (laughs) putting his life together and telling it in a way that i didn't see it told like his story start to finish was always broken up into pieces i didn't see anything that was succinct you know early life how his crime started to change he got a little bit more confident right and again we don't know much about the interactions of the women once they got there because he never told us and we can't ask them and not for nothing but even if he told us i don't know that i'd buy it right but piecing together the different parts of his life and what he did was 
like fun detective work for me right um so yeah. i look forward to doing another case like this again where we can kind of brainstorm how and why he might have done it because he's certainly not going to tell us yeah and he's fucking like you know it's wild to old me old and probably like a cute old man ew i know um, that's upsetting honestly i am shocked that he has not written a manifesto. This man seems like the kind of guy who'd fucking love to stroke well, his if ego. He did then Heather made damn sure that I he love wasn't going to get anything from it. As she should. I know. But this guy still seems like the kind of asshole that would be like, I'm published because I know what I'm doing and killing people. Oh, it's like, for Go sure. fuck yourself. But like, he's probably this cute old guy that if you were at Friendlies and he was sitting there alone. I'd be I would, like, oh, I'd cover his. I'd like tell the waitress, like, I'll, I'll pay his tab. Yeah, like his Sunday's on me, man. Yeah, because he fuck? just looks like any guy. Yeah. in any town, USA. Yeah. I. So yeah, I so I'm him. I'm gonna do another one because that, okay. that was fun. Yes, um, the detective work ones really are fun. Send in a request, damn. Yeah, let us know, Abby. Where would they like send us a cute little DM? So if they wanted to do that, they could hop on Instagram, okay. or as the kids are calling it, Insta. Ooh, and is that what the kids say these days? As far as I know, I'm not <laughs> hip though. Um, <laughs> and they could open up their little app or go online to Instagram.com, mm-hmm. and then in that little search bubble button. Thing. Yeah, they could type up about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. Ooh. So that is a b o u t period t i m e period f o r period t r u e period c r i m e period p o d because podcast was, was too, too long. long. And you know what? If they wanted to send us something too long for the DMs, they could email us. But where would they do that? So you guys would email us at. About time, the number four, TC at gmail.com. So that is A B O U T T I M E, numeric four, TC at gmail.com. And if you cannot remember that and you aren't saying it with us when we say it, uh, rude. But also, <laughs> you can just look down in the show notes and it's all right there. You can copy and paste it. Hell yeah. Um, we are so glad that you spend this time with us and we're so glad to spend it with you. So. I know. Thanks. Stay safe. Um, I don't know, canvas the old men in your neighborhood before you buy their Sunday. That's well, all I got. Yeah, but, like, pay it forward. I mean, be no, absolutely nice, pay it forward. Be a nice person, but, yeah, like, vet them first. Yeah, just, like, do a little case. Can case I go out. through your trash? Yeah. <laughs> oh can, my I gosh. Go, can I go through your shredding? Sure. Um, <laughs> do you by chance have any shredding you're looking to get rid of? Because uh, <laughs> I've got 10 hours burning a hole in my pocket. <laughs> And I just love puzzles. Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's enough for us. Yeah. All right, you guys. Pay forward. Pay for someone's coffee. Just, you know. I don't know. Be nice to people. Have a good day. And we will see you next time. And if I check my watch, that was About about Time time for True Crime. Crime. Bye. (laughs)